Good morning. How's everyone today? In my church, we say praise the Lord, everybody. Listen, in a couple of hours, um, we will get to witness, whether we watch it live or we'll come back and watch it later. The best team in the AFC <laughs> will be on the field playing. And as we were coming over here today, I saw uh, blue everywhere, two-tone blue everywhere. I saw a lot of fans, and they were already cheering and getting ready. But we are in the house of the Lord today, and so uh, I am going to ask that if we could start off with just stand up and giving God praise with our hands by clapping to him. We can't let them outdo us. Come on, we can't let them outdo us. Come on, we can't let them outdo us. Let's give that up to the Lord today. Let's lift his name up. Come on, he deserves all our praise and honor. Amen? Amen. You may be seated. Matt, we are so happy to be here. Thank you so much. You have a great pastor, and so we really appreciate him uh, and the brotherhood and all those kind words that he made mention to earlier. Thank you, brother. Uh, I'm going to read for you, and you're hearing John chapter 4, verses 39 through 42. If you would like to go there with me or read it at your own leisure. It says, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this indeed is the Savior of the world. It appears every time I look at the news, I'm appalled at what is being said. And sometimes I just shake my head and just call on the name of Jesus. Violent rates amongst our youth are growing. Political parties are at odds with one another. Increasing fear and hysteria within the government. Uh, several weeks ago, month maybe, we were even talking about rumors of a, a government shutdown. The interaction between black and brown people, especially with policing and the mistrust that is there with that. This global pandemic in which so many people have been affected by it, whether through deaths, loss of wages, arguments about Who's right, those that are vaccinated, 
those that are not vaccinated? Should we wear masks? Shouldn't we wear masks? Or should we not wear masks, rather? Even down to this past week, I heard a verdict of a case, and I have to be honest with you, I was angry about what I heard. And the reason why I was angry is because I know individuals and stories where there have been more years spent in prison for marijuana possession than the outcome of what that case was. And I'm not here to discuss that. It's not where I'm going. But in all of that, I said, Lord, man, what are you doing? Like, where are you in all of this? Like, some about this is just not right. Like, this is all messed up. Would you allow me to just be myself for a second? Just, man, this is screwed up. This is not right. Look at how many years guys have spent in prison, particularly black and brown people, males, away from their families for possession. And I'm not saying that's right. Please hear me. But now there are states that are legalizing the same thing that they've gotten arrested for. And the outcome of that case really bothered me. Where are you, Lord? All of these stories, where are you in all of this? What are you trying to say to us? How is your glory being revealed in all of this? But I'm comforted today, a hard pill to swallow, but I'm comforted because we have to stand on the word. And it's very simple. That the Lord is not a part of this world. In John chapter 17, it says, they are not of this world just as I am not of this world. He's not of this world. In fact, he has his own world, his own what we call kingdom, with his own principles, his own rulership, with his own systems of beliefs. And so, I begin to ask the question, I don't know how you talk to the Lord, but I talk to the Lord just like I'm talking to you. Lord, what's up? Lord, more in the statement, but in a question as well, do we understand the concept of kingdom? 
And do we understand that you have a vision for kingdom? And if, in fact, if we do, talk about you and I, know that there is a thing called a kingdom. This is my second question to him or statement. Then it's, it's bigger than our shallow thinking. What we see every day in our community, our church community, those we hang with, we go to parks and basketball games with. I'm not saying that they're not a part of the kingdom. I'm saying that maybe our view on what kingdom is is a limited perspective. Because according to John chapter 1, it says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. then what that means is that this kingdom is broad. And that there, there is, according to this word, there is something special about those who believe in his name, and have his spirit, you get the title of becoming a child of God. I don't hear no church in here right there. So that means that if I'm a child of God, what's your name? Oh, caught you off guard. <laughs> Did you know I was going to call on you? Okay. What's your name, sir? Are you a believer? What's your name, ma'am? Are you a believer? But to all, let the church say all, who did receive him. Did you receive him? Do you believe in his name? Then he gave the right to name him a child of God. So, if, huh, if you're a child of God and you are a child of God and I'm a child of God and you're a child of God, that means we have something in common. What, what that really means is that we have been adopted into something called a family. 
I heard one thank you, Jesus, right there. But I thank you for it. That we are adopted into a family. That we were not born into. Our last name don't make us a part of this family. Our socioeconomic status don't make us a part of this family. Where we grew up don't make us part of this family. Those who believe, all who have received his spirit and received him are family. So, that means in a very practical way that in your family, we are all here because a father and a mother, and we don't have to go there, but we are here. And so, you may think that you were born into a family where there were only two or three of you. Some, it was just only you. But I challenge you today to look past those numbers and embrace what the Lord has given us. So that means that if we are part of a family, there are people in this community, in that community, family members that you've never met in Africa, Asia, other places. You've never met them. But they're still our family. I'm a native Nashvilleian. I love Nashville. A lot has changed in Nashville. <laughs> and I have family members on the east side and the north side, the south side, and the west side. And I really do love those family members. And they're my blood. But some of them are not believers. Although they're my blood and I love them, they're not a part of what I'm talking about. I'm looking at family members right here in this room today. Man, I ain't never met you ever before. I don't know your name. Hopefully we'll get to meet. But I would not say that he's not my brother because he and I don't look alike and I don't know his name. I would not say that. He's a brother. Because he's, in, uh, in, uh, he's adopted into something bigger. In John, chapter 4, Jesus is passing through from Judea or Judea. And he comes to a well, and he meets a woman. And while he's at this well, 
this lady trips out because Jesus opened his mouth and spoke to her. And the reason why is because she knew that they were totally different. She knew that he was a Jew, and she was a Samaritan. And if you know anything about Jews and Samaritans, they couldn't stand one another. They didn't like one another. They had some real issues with one another. They were divided over political things, religious things. I think you can go and say that they hated one another. Those groups of people hated one another. And anytime you got hate involved, you got serious problems. But she was so thrown back that Jesus would talk to her. Obviously, if we could put our minds there, she was a Samaritan, so she already felt like she was devalued. And let me tell you about the Jesus we serve. What he did for her in that moment transformed her whole entire existence. What he did for her is what he did for us. He showed us love. He showed her compassion. He showed her mercy. He showed her grace. He made a decision that day to say to her, I know that everybody else thinks there's a problem between us. But today, I'm going to do something. I'm going to go across this line that is dividing us, and I'm going to adopt you into my family. And he's going to do that by making her a daughter. He's going to do that by making her a daughter. He did not allow a dividing line to keep them divided. He said, daughter, today you come with me. And you come with me because of what I'm going to give you. She thought she was coming for some water. And she got way more than water. She got true and living water. Amen. That springs forever. That never runs dry. And you know what happened that day? When she did that, she went out to her village and she told everybody, come and meet this man. This man knew everything that I've ever did. 
And because he adopted her into the family and made her a daughter, others came to him that day. And the days that he was there. That's how powerful this is. Family. Think about our own families for a second. With our own families, there are certain duties that we have as family members. There are certain things that we do as family members. We love one another. We support one another. We encourage one another. We hold each other accountable. We say to each other, hey, bro, you messed up on that one, man. Sis, no, I don't think you should have done it like that. We pray for one another. We hope for one another. That's what family does. And according to the word, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26, it reads, if one member suffer, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So if we have family members that are suffering, we're supposed to say something about it. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to love each other through it. We're supposed to support each other through it. Because we're family. Jonathan is coming now to talk to us about our family in South Nashville. Those that you've never met. Those that we hope you get to meet. Bless you. See why he gave me the headset mic. <laughs> <laughs> y'all just uh, y'all just received some teaching, uh, and I don't know if you you caught it, but what DeCarlos just shared with you is is a vision that the Lord has. That that God is on a kingdom building, family forming mission. That that is the vision of the Lord is is building a kingdom and gathering and forming a family. And so what we are here this morning to tell you about is the particular neighborhood of God's kingdom where he is forming a family. Is we are going into a particular neighborhood of God's family to find, particular neighborhood of God's kingdom to find God's family. God is on a kingdom building, family forming mission. And so the Napier ministry of Midtown, the Napier church plant of Midtown, the Napier congregation of Midtown has three things that we expect. Because that's what vision is when it's the Lord's vision. It's not wishful thinking. It's expectation. It's, it's what I expect to see the Lord do. Is that right? Because if God wants to do something, guess what? God's going to do it. 
And so if we believe the Lord is doing something in Napier, then we are waiting to see it happen. So we got three things that we want to see. Number one, we want to see a thriving church family. We want to see a thriving church family exist in historic South Nashville and the Napier community made up of folks that live in JC, UC, public housing, and the neighborhood around it. And we know something about our family and about our community because that's what you do when you have a family. That's what you do when you, when you want to love people is you know them. And if you don't know them, you want to get to know them. You want to know what are their burdens, where are their wounds, what are their core concerns. And we know something about our neighborhood as it pertains to church and as it pertains to us wanting to build a thriving church family. There's a lot of church hurt in our community. In fact, if I were to tell people, when, when I do tell people, yeah, we're planning a church, a lot of times they'll say, Pastor, you know, we got six of those here in the neighborhood. And you know what? They're right. There are six churches within about a half mile of where we are. But as best we can tell, and we can tell pretty well, about 90% of the people that attend those churches do not live, do not come from the local community. And about 80% of the people in the community don't have a church home. They're not members of a church family because our neighborhood that we know, what we know about them, is there's a lot of trauma as it pertains to the church. There's a lot of church hurt. There's a lot of spiritual hopelessness, which is what's always at the root of any kind of hopelessness. And so we have to know our family in order to love them, and so we do. And so we want to build a new kind of family. We want to build the right kind of church family. We're willing to be non-traditional. It's kind of a scary word in the church sometimes. We're willing to be innovative. What we want to do, the reason we're willing to do those things is we want to set a table for that church family to come. We believe the church is a kitchen table. It's that place that you gather around with your family to do the business of the family, which is number one, to love one another, to build one another up, to challenge one another. To feed each other with the love of Jesus. That's what happens around the kitchen table. It's why we call our ministry the Napier Kitchen Table. So I want you to imagine a kitchen table, a round kitchen table with all these chairs around it, and everyone's pointing inward. Everyone's facing one another around the table, and the meal that's being served is the love of Jesus. The way it's being eaten is through authentic relationships with him and with one another. And that means something really practical for our ministry. It means that we're not doing charity. We're not, we're not just giving things away. We are building authentic relationships. The foundation of everything that we do is authentic relationships because love transforms around the table. So number one, we want to see a thriving church family built on authentic relationships. Number two, that church family is about the business of its community. And so we want to see, we see, we expect the Lord to build a thriving neighborhood community that that thriving church family can exist within. Because that thriving church family around the table isn't just pointing inward, they're pointing outward. They come to the table to be nourished by the love of Jesus and the love of one another to then be sent out with energy for the sake of the world. And I know that's something your pastor preaches a lot. So we're right at home, family. So we want to see a thriving neighborhood community. There are 3,000 men, women, and children in the JC and UC public housing 
There are 978, last time I checked, children under the age of 18. We want this family to come from the community to be about the transformation of the community. So we take the core concerns of our family. We take the core concerns of our neighbors and we make them our own. We make them our mission. So peace, where there is not much peace. Justice, where there's lots of injustice. Access to things that are needed, things that, that we take for granted, that, are, that we just understand are part of what it means to be a flourishing, thriving, whole person. We care about those things. Access to health, access to food. There's no grocery store in the community. Almost no one has a vehicle. The closest grocery store is Turnip Truck in the Gulch. That is not access. So we want to see a grocery store come to our community. We want to be about the work of community gardens, If you have participated in our produce partnership, you've been actively helping us give folks in our neighborhood access to something, fresh produce. And we have learned something very important in this community, and it's important in any community. It's important in this community. It's really hard to get someone to come after something they've never tasted before because they don't know it. They don't even know what it is that they're hungry for. And so we want to give people sanctified imaginations for what can be true for them and what is true for them in Jesus. We want to give them a vision for what we see and what can be. We want to open their eyes to hope for the things they don't see yet. And this, this, this whole journey for us in the community is a journey of taking strangers and making them neighbors and taking neighbors and making them family. So every bit of the work we do is to that end, to take a stranger and make them a neighbor, to build a relationship with them, to invite them around the table. And then at that table, as we have gone out and then are coming back in, we make them family. The Lord makes them the family of God. So that's number two, a thriving neighborhood community. And then number three, very important for this room. We also see, we expect that the Lord is going to use Napier and our church and our family as a discipleship force for Midtown. But this isn't just we go with the resources to the people that do not have resources. We actually believe we go with the resources we have that the Lord is calling us to bring, and then the community where DeCarlos and I are serving brings its resources to us. Because I promise you, I look around this room, there is lack. There's areas of lack. There's areas of poverty in every single one of us. And so as we move toward Napier, we believe, we see that the Lord will be discipling Midtown, will be transforming Midtown because of its participation in this bigger family. Another way to say this is that as we move toward the margins... As we move toward the marginalized, something Jesus spent a lot of time doing, we find him there. We believe that as we go toward people that are marginalized physically, socially, spiritually in our community, that we find Jesus there. And guess why we find him there? Because that's always where Jesus goes. And guess where he went to find you? He went to the margins. When Jesus left his throne in heaven, don't miss the 
Don't miss the, the, the word pictures that scripture uses. Jesus is a king. He's on a throne in heaven. And where does he go? He leaves that throne. He leaves that center place of having everything he needs. Of being perfectly full and whole in himself. Not needing anything. In other words, not marginalized. <laughs> and he went to the margins. It says he left his throne. He left his kingship. And he moved toward me and you. To find us and make us family. It's what he did with the woman at the well. It's what he did with all the women at the well. And so as we move toward the margins, as this, this table picture is a, ta- is a picture of us moving to the outside to find those that Jesus has adopted into his family, we find him there and we find ourselves there. Maybe we find the more true version of ourselves that we haven't met yet. Because that's always who Jesus is with. In 2 Corinthians 5, it says something amazing. It says, He who knew no sin became sin for us. Why? So that we might become the righteousness of God. Do you hear that? If you're a son or a daughter, you're, you're a son or a daughter, you're, you're the righteousness of God. And so that's something that we want to invite you into as a member of Midtown, as a participant in this Midtown movement of gospel transformation through multiple congregations around our city, one of which is the Napier community, one of which is Midtown West, we want to invite you more and more into understanding the righteousness of God that you are, growing into the righteousness of God that you are, growing up in your faith, which is why we talk about discipleship and maturity all the time. And we believe something more powerful can happen when we as a diverse family come together Midtown West, Midtown East, where we just came from preaching the same sermon, by the way. Midtown Granny White, Midtown Creve Hall, and Midtown Napier. As we come together, gather around the table to be nourished by the love of God, we're actually strengthened to take that love to the rest of our city. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you um, that you found me at the margin. Lord, uh, how would I dare to ever not make this personal? That when you came to the margin to find your sons and daughters whom you love, whom you see as beautiful, you found me. And you brought me to be with you. You brought me back to the place of lacking nothing. Because your word says that everything we need, everything we look for, everything we ask for is ours in the name of Jesus. So Lord, as those who live with all kinds of feelings of, of lack, of things not going the way I expected or wanted. Um, and as we journey into being people who, even in the face of those things, and in the face of real loss and real lack, moving into a place of realizing we are the righteousness of Christ. We have everything we need in Jesus. That we now have a gift to offer. Would that um, free us so deeply from grasping and and scraping uh, to fill ourselves, would it actually free us to be people that are so full that we go and find others that just need to hear that same good news? Help us do that uh, together as one big family. Pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.